Numbers chapter 22. It's uh, messages to Balaam. (laughs) We're going to see two major characters, Balak and Balaam, and what characters they are. And uh, we're going to see as we take a look at this uh, that uh, Balaam specifically is going to receive a bunch of messages, uh, not only from Balak, uh, we will see it also from God. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll also see it from a donkey. So uh, it's a fascinating chapter if you ever read uh, chap- uh, Numbers 22. Uh, there's this the kind of this the subject matter. We'll be going through chapter 23 and 24. I had the wild idea last night I was going to cover all three chapters, and that came to my senses today as I was, <clears throat> was reading this and said, no, let's just do chapter 22 and not be fooling myself here a little bit. So Numbers chapter 22. Let's take verses 1 through 4 first. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Baalik, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread Sick to death is maybe a term we would use today, right? Because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us. That's an interesting way. They're going to wipe us out. And as an ox licks up the grass of the field, and Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Now it's interesting, we know that Israel is now on the move into the, after 38 years of wandering in the wilderness, God is starting to take them into the promised land. In the early stages, they had to be tested, if you remember, through small little wars, little skirmishes with the different types of people through the land there as they're coming in to start conquering over the promised land. And it's interesting, as they get in here, uh, they also had that blessing victory that God gave them over each one of those. God was preparing them to fight the mighty Canaanites, uh, ultimately, by a series of battles against lesser people. In that southern part of the Canaanites, we saw in chapter 21, verses 1 and 3. We saw the Amorites in chapter 21, verses 23 and 24. And then the uh, Bashanites, which we saw there in verses 33 through 35 of Numbers 21, these small little wars were preparing, these tests were preparing, these little moments of of difficulties and trusting in God was going to bring them through these little tiny moments and circumstances and series. That was all in preparation for bigger things that God was going to do in and through their lives. Moab was sick to dead or sick with dread uh, because the fact that he was observing and watching what God was doing through these people and they were getting larger and larger group of people. And they were just, God was, it was very obvious to the secular world around them, as we would say today, something's going on with these people, these God people that God's moving through here and something is pretty incredible. But for some, it's like, wow. Let's go join them. Others would say, wow, well, how do we get to defeat them and avoid them? It's, it's usually that kind of the case in many respects. But here Moab, a leader here, noticed that Israel was advancing toward Moab. They're going to come at us. I just know they're going to come at us. There's, just a, there's no doubt. And, and Balak, the king of Moab, was exceedingly afraid. We see in the scripture because of the size of Israel and also because 
Israel was wiping out their neighbors. Now it's interesting that now this company will lick up everything around this moment here, that in one sense, Balak's fear was completely logical. We, we better fear these people. They're coming right at us. They're wiping these people out. Why wouldn't they not come toward us too? But on the other hand, if he had only known and believed what God's word said, he would not have feared. He would not have feared. Because he would have had nothing to fear because God commanded Israel to not harass Moab. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 9, that they were not to mess with the Moabites. So if they had known God's word, then he wouldn't have feared, he wouldn't have panicked, and he wouldn't have been doing what he was about to do, which is going to cost him big time. In verse 5 and 6, we see that Balak is going to go find some man to help him figure out how to stop Israel. But he knew enough that it is a spiritual matter, not only a physical matter, but also a spiritual matter. And he looks for a spiritual man. And a man named Balaam comes on the scene here in verse 5. Then, the, then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, that... Uh, uh, Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. <laughs> Getting too close. Therefore, please come at once. Curse the, this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So this Balak turns to this man named Balaam, and suddenly appears, this Balaam man appears in the book of Numbers. He's like a couple of other examples that we know in the scripture, like Jethro in Exodus 18. We don't know much about him, but he pops in as a godly man in, in, in some respects that they're not there. Melchizedek, we, he kind of pops in there in, in uh, Genesis 14, 18. But that we had a little more, you know, some substance here. But this man here, all we know is that Balak knew this man, Balaam, and he had the ability to bless people. And when he blessed people, they were blessed. And when they cursed people, they were cursed. And somehow he knew if I can get a hold of this man, I'm going to use him as a Throw the curse on him. I don't know what you're doing, but throw a curse on him. Stop these people from coming in here because they're getting way too close to the property line. So, so in some account, we're clear that Balaam had some kind of knowledge of the true God. Because initially you think, oh, he's demonic. He has some kind of demonic force and he's witchcraft or something to that effect. But we know in Numbers 22, when we get to verse 8, it's clear that he's not in the demonic world. He has a connection with God. He specific mentions of the Lord and seeking after the Lord. So it's, not, it's very clear where he is getting his abilities from. Where the gifts come from is from God. And so that's all we know. But again... We're going to find that he didn't use what God gave him ability to do in a godly way. And that is a very big warning for all of us. When God gives you spiritual gift or gifts to do his work according to his will, and you take that gift and you use it for your personal gain, or you go and use it for to, to go and use it as a negative against people, like God had never asked you, whoo, 
be very, very careful what God has given you and how you use those abilities. Very big warning for us tonight. So he says, therefore, please come to curse these people for me. So Balak warned Balaam to curse Israel. There was no question what the intentive was. It wasn't like, oh, Balaam goes, I misunderstood you. Are you sure? No, <laughs> he clearly knew from Balak, I'm using you on hire, as we will see. We're going to hire you. He was a hireling, as they say, as a prophet. And we're going to hire you to curse these people. And so, because he understood, cripple them phys- uh, spiritually, because we don't have enough guys here to go try to take them out. They're too big. There's too many. But if we take them out spiritually, maybe we can defeat them in battle. God will, you know, somehow you'll curse them and they will weaken them for us to be able to come over and overtake them. But somehow he knew and they knew Balaam was the man for the, for the work to do that. So now we will see here in verses 7-8, there's going to be a couple of meetings that Balak is going to send some messengers to Balaam to convince him to do this job, this hit job. Really, really what it is. I'm going to hire you to take these people out. And, uh, and it's true. Look at this, verse 7. So the elders of Moab and the elders of the Median prepared for the diviner's fee, interesting, in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak and said to them, so he responds, Balaam responds to him and says, Hey, lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. So we find somehow, some way, people know that there's a diviner's fee out there, and you can go hire this guy to go come in to curse or to, or to bless, and they knew enough that, that you could do that. Nothing new to the sun, right? Go hire some. Go hire the priest. Go hire this person. Come in and bless this house or curse this house or go do this. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun these days. And this guy was for hire. And uh, they took these standard fee in hand and approached Balaam and said, Hey, here's the standard fee. Can you do the job? What is his response? It shouldn't have been the response that he gave. His response was, absolutely not. Are you out of your mind? Get out of here. No. Why don't you sit here and stay with me tonight? I seek the Lord and figure out what he wants to do. What do you mean? So what that tells me as I ponder on this is that Balaam, even though he went to God and received the abilities to curse and to bless and to be a prophet and to speak God's word and these things, he clearly doesn't know God and his people that he was bringing out of Egypt. At first, I'm going to have to sit there going, he clearly doesn't know who these people are, even though he should know. That. And as we come clear, he knew exactly who these people were that he was being asked to curse. What was the incentive? Why would he even ask God if it's okay to curse his people? Why would he do that? Other than greed for money. Only for the money. It, 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 at least that's what Kim's very clear to me. So the heart of Balaam is revealed here. He's like, oh yeah, hang around here. I'm going to ask God. Like, what do you expect to hear from God? He was seeking God's will regarding something that was plainly not his will that you want me to curse your people? It's clearly not his will. Why are you even asking this ridiculous, foolish question of God? When you know his word. 
But this is, the, this is the danger right here. Balaam started going down a path very dangerous. He was entertaining. He was planning. He was setting his heart on something he knew to be sin. Hello? <laughs> you know it's sin, but you still entertain it? And you start planning it? And you start setting your heart on a, doing it? And looking for some spiritual excuse to pursue this, this sin? Or justify the sin so you can get the gain from it? Because of his love for money that we will see? Balaam tried to manipulate God into granting him an exception to do what he wanted to do. Ooh, what a warning for us. Verse 9, Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? First of all, God knows all things. He knows exactly who these men are. But he's asking Balaam, are you in your right? Are you, did you hit your head or something? Did you, you know who you're talking to, right? You, you know who these men are that you're entertaining in your house right now and even thinking about coming to talk to me about. Sure he did. So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent, me to, has sent to me saying, look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. So it's not like he was changing the story to God and giving him a different story. He wasn't trying to justify changing the story. He gave him exactly what Balak said. That's why I'm sitting here going, did he not really know who these people were? That these were God's people bringing them out of Egypt? He, everyone in the land knew who these people were. And then God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. These are blessed people. I'm blessed these people. What are you touching these people? What do you think you're going to... No, you're not going to go. Verse 13, So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. Can you hear him say it? Dudes, I really wanted to go. I really, this would have been a good deal. This would have been a great job. I, would have, I was with, with you, but I asked God. He said, I could. you can hear the conversation going. Like, you know, God won't let me do it, but I would have done it. But. And the princes of the Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more numerable than they. Why did Balak turn around and send additional people with more prestige and more money and make him try to make him be rich? Versus a standard diviner's, uh, uh, yeah, diviner's uh, fee. Why is he sending back more entourage and more money? Because Balaam didn't make it clear to these people that they were out of their mind to ask him to go against God's people who were blessed by God. Somewhere in that conversation, he left room that he could be bought out on this thing. Why? Don't know why. Corey's opinion, or Corey's thought, is there must be history to Balaam to think that they somehow can pay him off to do this job. That's my little side note in my mind. Because why would, he, why would they even entertain coming back with more money? Somehow they left a doubt that if you paid me more money, 
that you probably could get away with making me, I, I would, would be willing to take the risk. You've got to be very clear when you're dealing with darkness, you're dealing with those who are going against God's word, you make it black and white. Don't leave it gray. Go right for absolutely against the word of God, absolutely not. It will never happen. Get, take you and your little fee thing and get out of here. Go back to Moab. No, didn't happen. Look at verse 16. And then they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. Please let nothing hinder you. This is God we're talking about telling him not to go. Something hinder you? <laughs> clearly did he not. I mean, clearly told him that God, God said no. But look what happened. Let nothing hinder you you from coming to me for I will certainly honor you greatly and I will do whatever you say to me therefore please come curse the people for me I will pay you whatever it takes that's what it is that little fee that I came I'm sorry didn't mean to to uh, not honor you I'm going to bring you people of honor with a good honorarium and I'm going to pay you big bucks so you could come and do for me, even though it goes against the word of God. Whoo. Sad, but very true even today. Because they no longer carry just this little diviner's fee. They promised him great riches. He, Balaam really needed to very, be very divided. Um, uh, decisive, decisive, decisive in his words so there was clarity that that is not negotiable that they would have come back but he didn't verse 18 then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold oh that sound great even if he gave me his whole house full of all the silver and gold I could not go beyond the word of God, of the Lord of my God, to do less or more. Now, therefore, uh oh, he was doing good, but now, therefore, he's changing the subject here. Please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what, what more the Lord will say to me. He's going to go back and ask God again to do something that God had made clear to him not to do. But he's going to go ask God anyway, knowing that it's not God's will. He's going to go ask God again. Oh, here's another lesson to us, brothers and sisters. Family, look, look what happens here. You can only imagine that tone of voice from Balaam. He's sitting there going, wow, they're going to make me wealthy. They're going to make me really known. They're going to, this is going to be really a good deal for me. But he knew clearly God's prophecy. He knew, clearly knew that this was not to happen. This was not his own initiative. Even though he, he it appears, wanted to do it, he knew clearly that God said, no, don't. You're not going to go. Don't go with him and don't do it. 
But he turned around and it's proof once again that Balaam continued to entertain this sin because he said, go ahead, you too can stay here and spend some time with me while I go talk to God again and seek God and see what his will of God will be clear again and see what he might come and do differently. But God clearly spoke to him. And he still entertained it? That becomes a danger when we keep going back and asking God to do, allow us to do something that we know clearly is sin. It sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? He says to him, let me go seek the Lord about this. I, this I've seeked the Lord. I, this is the Lord's will for me. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? And you're sitting there looking and you're hearing them and you're going, you're talking sin here. You're clearly talking and, and pondering on and on the edge and almost stepped over into sin and, and one foot in and one foot out. And then you come to you and you're like, what are you doing? Oh, I, I know it's of the Lord. I seek the Lord. I've prayed. I mean, all these little spiritual things to help justify. Don't tell me no when you, your heart is set to do it. Be very careful when we do those things. Because it didn't work for Balaam and it won't work for you and I. To sound spiritual, that I'm seeking the Lord on this. <laughs> it's like Balaam is like he's a baby, this young child. He heard the father say, No, no, son, you can't do it. Let me go ask dad again. We'll try mom, and then we'll go get mom after dad and dad, and we'll play them off each other. We'll figure out how to get this to happen. Through pressure, maybe dad will change his mind. We'll just make him really crazy, because he's not going to get any peace in the house, and then he'll finally say yes. Hoping that the father's will may change. Verse 20, And the Lord came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to you, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. What? But only the word which I speak to you that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Rise and go with them. Really? God did not change his mind. He didn't. Balaam would not understand that because God said, okay, your heart is set on going, you're asking me again, that's what you want to do? God is taking his hands off and says, okay, you want to go down that path? We'll let you go down the path. But remember, you can't say anything unless I, what I tell you. Now, you look at that and you go, wow, what is Balaam thinking? You know exactly what Balaam's thinking. This must be God's will because the door didn't close. This, this must be really him. This is, this, but you already know it's God said no twice. But now he's saying here, okay, you're going to go. You're only going to speak what my words are going to be. That's not changing. It's not going to change my will. My will is you're not going to curse my people. But he's blinded now, right? 
All he heard is what he wanted to hear, that he was able to at least rise up and go with them. But the will of God still says you're not going to curse them. He didn't say you can curse my people. He says, fine, you want to go? You can go. But of course, Balaam is automatically thinking, this is a, this is a go, man. This is good. This is great. This means money, cha-ching. Doors open. God did not change his will. He had clearly declared his will. It was very clear. Now God prepared Balaam up for judgment is what he's doing. God is saying, okay, you want to go down this path? It's going to hurt. There's going to be correction, punishment, judgment. It's coming. It's going to come upon you to both test and reveal the wickedness of your heart. That is why I'm going to allow this to happen. So it's clear to you that you're off course. Now, we know that sometimes God says no to the prayers of, our pe- of his people. Sometimes you go, Lord, what, what, what do you say this? No. Okay. It's no. Why does he do that? Because he loves us. And he knows what that can har- harm us and cause very big problems if he would have said yes. And sometimes God says yes to the desires of the wicked because he will judge them that is the only way he's going to get to the heart of his, their issue. He's going to allow them to feel the pain of doing something against God's will. And he allows it to happen. He takes his hands off of it. Especially if they're always pushing and pushing and pushing to get what you want. So Balaam in the morning, no doubt, he woke up. Break of dawn. Couldn't wait to tell him the good news. He was so happy. God is blessing and allowing him. The door is open. He said, I can go. That's all, that's all God said, except you'll only speak what I, what I say. But you can imagine. You can imagine what that was like in the morning, and now all these very notable men are all just, look at this. We've accomplished it. This is going to be great. Verse 22, look at then happens. Then God's anger was, arose, was aroused because he went. What? Didn't he just tell him he could go? And we see immediately God's anger aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an advisory against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards, With a wall on this side and a wall on that side. Oh, he's getting narrowed. (laughs) Can you picture him? He's narrowing his path. He's going to shorten and really squeeze him here. Watch what happens. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. There's some physical pain came from this disobedience. 
So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. Now you're not moving. You're going to listen and watch what happens. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she laid down under Balaam, just plopped herself right down. I'm not moving. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Struck three times this female donkey, demanding you're going to keep going. What are you doing? Because the angel of the Lord, the revealing of Jesus Christ here, is going to reveal himself, and he is going to humble this man. Watch what happens. Because the donkey was more spiritually perceptive of the angel of the Lord in front of her than this spiritual man who was so focused on getting what he wants. That was the money. When you're focused and off track and in sin, you will not see spiritual things right in front of you. And you can see things popping and squeezing you and squeezing you and directing you. And you come to a stop. You can't move. You are flat now, flat down on the ground with a donkey. You're, you're getting angry and aroused. And you're starting to beat everyone around you to keep it going. Ooh. Not a good place. This very difficult circumstance of the journey you would think Balaam would have said, something is not of God. Something's not right. Something's not good. And he would have come to his senses, but he was so driven that he thought he could just beat the donkey through this whole thing. He did not see this circumstance as being the judgment of God. He did not see that God was not in this. He didn't really care. He really he just got said I could go. But look what happened then. Another message comes to Balaam. <laughs> this is amazing. Amazing messenger, right? Look at then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, How did this happen? God can do anything. And he, and he gets that God gives the ability to the donkey to have the mind and the ability and vocal cords to speak words, a message to Balaam. This is an amazing message here. Watch this. What have I done to you that you have struck me three times? At that point, you would think you would have fallen off the donkey. You would have started running. You would have said, God, forgive me. You, you would think that, right? No, no. Not when you're focused and driven on accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Do your thing. Balaam says to the donkey, because you have abused me. What? I wish there was a sword, sword in my hand, for now I would, I would kill you. Balaam is so out of touch and so far down the path of sin and so skewed. This God man, godly man, or at least a man that God has used, is so focused on doing what he wants, he's willing to kill 
an animal that is speaking to him. Does that ring a bell at all of, of, of insanity and foolishness of this man, Balaam? That God would use a donkey to speak a message to him and he didn't get it. And he justified by saying, you abused me. God's the one who just directed me to go with what I'm doing. He, he, again, the donkey understood it, but Balaam didn't understand it. Look what happened. So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Don't you know me? I've been your donkey. I'm not some un, unknown donkey. I, I, you've known me. What? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? Have I ever crushed your foot before? Have I ever been disobedient and laid down on you? Have I ever gone off astray? Have I done any of these things against you before? And he responds, obviously, positively. He says, no. He recognized, no, you haven't. And now you want to tell me you're going to kill me. I'm telling you, this God miraculously giving the donkey the ability to speak... And then gives this donkey a message to tell Balaam and rebukes him. <laughs> rebuked by a donkey. Woo! That's a humbling moment, wouldn't you think? However, God gave the actual mechanism and ability for a donkey to speak and a mind to speak it with clarity. That is the capability of our creator. I think of myself... Well, serpent spoke too, didn't he? Balaam was so irrational and angry because he didn't get his way. He seemed to be so unimpressed by the ability for a donkey to carry an intelligent conversation with him. The wickedness of this Balaam, the Balaam, the wickedness of this prophet came out. I would kill you if I had a sword. But look at 30, 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would also have killed you by now and let her live. <laughs> you should be thanking your donkey. He stepped she saved your life, dude, because if she didn't do that, she, I would have killed you. Does, is God's will pretty clear? Did he make it very clear to Balaam? I'm coming against you. You chose to leave and go do what I told you clearly not to do. And I said, okay, if you're going to go, you have your wicked way. It's going to cost you. It's going to hurt. It's going to be humbling. And sure, it sure was. But look at 
the fact that what was the reason the angel of the Lord rebuked Balaam for his mistreatment of his donkey, but especially because Balaam's way was perverse. The word perverse carries the idea in the Greek here, going to the wrong way in a rash manner. You're irrational in what you're about to do. You're not thinking in your right mind. It's perverse. And since this is the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord tells Balaam that his sin is against him personally, it says, your way is perverse before me. You're being irrational toward me. And he made sure it was clear, you are not doing what is right. Verse 34, And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now therefore it is displeased, if it, if, no the key word, if it displeases you, I will turn back. If? If this displeases you? <laughs> that actually came out of his mouth. If. He still not got it. He still didn't get it, did he? Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men. Okay, you say if? Okay, go with the men. But only the word that I speak to you that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. You would think he would have stopped and not gone after all of this. But because the Lord didn't stop him, you want to go your way? Okay, go your way. Does not mean it's approval. This sounds like so humble enough that he's, oh, I am so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know this was happening. If it displeases you, oh, I will turn back. Wow, really hard. Really deceived. God made his will clear to Balaam many times, yet Balaam still fished. For the answer he wanted from God, he was looking to still do what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, however he wanted to do it. This mindset that can get so focused in people. We see it in two other places in the scriptures about Balaam. 2 Peter 2, verses 15 and 16 shows exactly where Balaam's heart was. So if you have any clarity of what his heart was like, read that right there. It says, they have forsaken the right way and gone astray. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked by his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. Any question about what in numbers, where Balaam's heart was? Second Peter is very clear. We see in Jude 11. The root of Balaam's sin was the love for money. It says right here, the heir of Balaam for profit. He was just looking for profit. You know, it's been tough being a prophet these days. I need to make some profit here. Be very careful when you're doing things for God and then you turn around and try to do it and you try to make a profit off of what God's given your ability to do. Be very careful. So he took off with the men. God, again, 
You have a hard heart. I'm not going to, I'm not gonna, it's just going to cost you some more judgment. It's going to cost you more things. It's going to be di- more difficult as you get closer and farther down the road here. And then lastly, 36 through 41. Now when Balak heard that ba- uh, Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the city of Moab, which is on the border of Arnon, the border of the territory. Then Balak said to Balaam, did I not earnestly send to you, calling for you? Why did you take so long? You should have come. You know I called you. Oh, typical leader, right? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? And Balaam said to Balak, Look, I have come to you. I'm here. Now have I, now have I any power at all to say anything? Question mark. The word that God puts in my mouth that I must speak. So Balaam went with Balak and they came to Kirjath Huzoth. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep and he sent some to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. So it was the next day that Balak took Balaam and brought him up to the high places of Baal that from there he might observe the extent of the people. So he gave him a little bit of money, but where's the gold, where's the silver, and where's all the wealth he's promised him? He hasn't done the job yet. He gave him a little bit of oxen, just a little, some here, and the people who went and got him, he paid him off, them off a little bit. But here, there's two kindred spirits right here. Balak and Balaam. All kind of, one's about manipulating with money, and the other one can be manipulated by money. <laughs> They're kindred spirits. They all they start hanging around when people find them. People like each other. And Balak warm promise of reward. And Balaam's ears were tickled and said, "Yes, I want to be rewarded for what I get. I have the ability to do, and you need me." And after that little bit of sacrifice, after that giving of money, I should say, and the and ox and stuff, and showing, he takes him up to the high place so that he can observe. The God's people, the masses that are coming uh, down through that he needs to curse with his mouth. And guess what he says? No, no, no. I'm only going to speak what God tells me. We'll find out next week, won't, won't we? Not next week, the following week. I won't be here next week, but following week. But come next week, it's a special message. You've got to be here. We'll pick back up. And we will see four prophecies over the next two chapters.